Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Flyers take the season opening series against the hated rival Pittsburgh Penguins. They're 2-0. But Coots may be out for an extended period of time. This is episode 61 of Orange and Backcheck. Let's talk about it all right now. This is the Orange and Backcheck podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. I know this guy is an absolute fan or hateful. We'll have to get his clarification of shinny hockey. He hates shinny hockey. Scott Weinhardt. How you doing, brother? I like shinny hockey. I grew up playing shinny hockey. And if you add the T, that's the kind of hockey I'm playing now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so if you replace the N with the T, that's, that's the kind of hockey I play now, but not the kind of hockey the Flyers are playing now. So um, I think it all works out. I, I, still, that was hilarious last night. That caused a huge storm on Twitter for about 15 minutes till Taron Hatcher jumped in. And <laughs> I mean, the fact that only not, something in Philadelphia. Not only did Taron Hatcher who is an excellent journalist, sideline, side rink reporter, and now TV in-studio pregame and postgame host and intermission host. But the fact that she had to not only tweet it, but she spelled it out on the postgame show, S-H-I-N-N-Y, shinny hockey, to cover Hartsey's butt from accidentally saying the other word that everyone thought he said. Yep. Uh, But, oh, man. Always something. There's always controversy in Philadelphia, whether it's the quarterback or if someone said the S word over over the air on television. Oh, so good, yeah, wonderful, right? It just it's <laughs> it's you know I, I you were telling me before we jumped on here there's an article out today about Carson Wentz. I I'm not I don't I know we're not a flyer an Eagles podcast, but uh, I'm going to read that afterwards. But it just doesn't make sense to me. It just doesn't seem like it was for a character. But you know, moving on, I you know, staying away from that. I think that we have some positive things to talk about right. with the way the Flyers played last night. I think it's their – if you ask me, I thought overall last night's game was a was a overall good rather than bad. Um, what do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, you can't – not only just last night, but just the fact that in the season opener, opening series, the last two games, they have scored 11 goals. Like, right. it's tough to just say – no, I don't think they played good hockey, uh, but they still were able to manage 11, 11 goals over two games. So it, it's a good sign, despite how I clarify, I, I describe it as 
average hockey at best. Like they they started off slow last night. You saw the Pittsburgh Penguins and you kind of expected it. You expect these kind of flows, especially what we're going to see with these mini series concepts that we we uh, touched on throughout the last two episodes. Like when you have back to back games against the same opponent, uh, there's always going to be that ebb and flow carrying into the next the second the back end game so the fact that they started off slow wasn't that shocking but then after they got their feet under them and they scored the three goals including Travis Konechny like getting two goals the fact that they uh then sat back was too reminiscent of what Flyers hockey has been pre-AV, pre-Dave Hackstall, pre-Peter Laviolette. It's just been this consistent story we've talked about over and over and over again. And it's just like, at what point do they finally learn that that's not how you play hockey? You have to play hockey in a full 60 minutes. Bingo. And I I completely agree with you, Bill. And here's why. Look, you, you come out hot. You score three goals practically in the first half of the first period. You chase Tristan Jari and... Next thing you know, you're sitting pretty, and then next thing you know, a couple minutes later, it's a 3-2 game, Yep. and you're playing sloppy hockey. I think from what I saw last night, what was a little concerning is that that third pairing, they've got to figure that out. Okay, we're two games in. Let's not overreact. Nobody's overreacting here. Nobody's saying the building's on fire, but they've got to figure out a consistent third pair. Otherwise, they're going to get burned. I saw that Derek, uh, Eric Gustafson and Robert Hay were getting really burned by the stretch pass. Mm-hmm. And even when they switched up a bit and when Gustafson was out there with Sanheim, they were still getting burned with the stretch pass. So to me, it sounds like a couple – Gustafson doesn't quite know where to be. There was a couple times where I found Haig to be too high up near the blue line when he should have been down lower in coverage. Um, it seemed to be that – he, they were both a little lost at some point, which is why you saw the Penguins kind of pick up the pace a little bit there late in the first. They pretty much, I would say, overall dominated the second. But that also goes into the fact that they lost Sean Couturier, which we'll touch on later on. Uh, but I think instead of looking at it from a negative perspective, oh, it's because they didn't have Couturier, let's let's look at what, how Carter Hart yeah. actually woke up. And, and, and woke up, but I mean, Carter Hart showed his value once again. He's been awake. And, like yeah. he Carter Hart's been awake for the first two games of this season, but the fact that he put the team on it literally on his back last yeah. night, yeah, um, and turned away, I believe it was 31 out of 33 shots overall. That's, and yeah. he, he he looked, he saw five shorthanded shots, I believe. So the fact that he, he is seeing a lot of rubber early on, he's already passed that threshold that we talked about in the, in the preseason pod. Uh, of getting him to 920 goal saving average, which would be put him in the elite class. Hashtag road to hashtag road to 920. If you're following us on Twitter at Obackcheck, right. make sure you get that going. Like th- that's what we expect from Carter Hart, and to do it not only the second game in on the season when your team sat on its back heels uh, after going up three nothing, but the fact that you did it against the state rival in the Pittsburgh Penguins just goes to show where this kid is going to go. And you had some interesting observations in our pre-planning uh, of what you saw in his improvement already. Like we talked about a couple things that he should improve in the off season leading into the 2021 season. What'd you see? Well, what I saw was a big improvement from last season. At a lot of points in last season, especially during the playoffs, we talked about Carter Hart's got to improve with his six hole. Now six holes under the arms. We'll have a little bit more of a breakdown later this week about it, uh, but it's really it was really apparent to me, especially on the Jason Zucker breakaway, 
And at some points of the game, I really kept an eye on him and watched him how low he is in his stance. Uh, I talked about a couple of weeks ago how Carrier Price went through the same thing where he, when he came out, he had a higher stance and got a little bit lower. And finally, he's like really low and compact where, you know, he's closing all his holes. You could see that they were aiming for that six hole underneath his arm on a lot of shots last night. And on the second goal, they hit it pretty good. He had popped out a bad rebound, and that's why they got he got scored on by Brandon Tanev. Uh, but what wound up happening, I noticed on the Zucker breakaway, is that he was extremely patient, and he never budged on his positioning. He kept his arms tight so he couldn't flip it over. He kept his stick on the ice. Last year, that stick would have come up the ice, or he would have moved his arms up a little bit, or we would have been up a little higher where he could have gotten beaten on that, on that breakaway. But because he's playing so compact now, and he's so strong in his technique – that gives him an ability already with his great lateral movement to play like he did last night on a night in night out basis. And because he had to bail them out on the second period, that was one of the worst periods I've seen flyers play. Even if you look back at the playoffs last year, that second period was awful, but Carter Hart stood on his head. Carter Hart was a reason why the flyers won that game last night. It's not because they scored three early. It's because of Carter Hart. The, the fact that throughout a period and a half, again, he had to keep him in it when the Penguins had really great scoring chances. Uh, it, and it goes with testament that last year, some of those goals probably would have went in. But the fact that he was able to work on this in the offseason, you can clearly see it. And, and, and technically, um, that bodes well for the Flyers here really well. Because you need a goaltender. doesn't matter how many goals he gives up. We talked about it the other day. No, it doesn't matter how many goals he gives up. You can't let the, you know, you don't want to you have to have less than the other team, but it's about those weak goals too. If you let up on those soft goals, they keep your team strong and they believe in you and you keep fighting. And eventually one's going to go in at the other end. And it did when they got the one by the connect and you got the hat trick on. So I look Carter Hart, a massive improvement over last season so far through two games, the way his positioning is, let's see how he holds up over the next couple of games here when they go play Buffalo. Yeah, and one of the observations that I had, and I think a lot of fans had that they started to really notice, especially on that breakaway chance that the Penguins had, is um, he's he's letting the play come to him. He's not forcing the hand of the opposing team on the breakaway, on the shot, or anything to to dictate him, their move based on his own movements. He's being one of the most patient goaltenders in a long time that puts you in that elite class, right? We always talk about how you know, carry prices of the world. They let the play come to them. They don't let anything. They don't force the hand. They want the player that has the puck to force, to, to force himself. And that's exactly what Carter did, especially on that breakaway that he turned away and he's getting his paddle down. The fact that he's yes. paddle down and covering up that five hole, because I think it was Jones work. That, yeah. He worked on his stick work. Jonesy even pointed out on the, on the television broadcast, even if he had broke, let up his five hole, I believe it was on the breakaway as well, but it might've, mm -hmm. it might've been on a different sequence. Like, even though he, even if he had opened up his five hole, he still had that paddle down perfectly square to where it would have been. And it closed up everything. The, that is something that Carter Hart, clearly worked on in the offseason and he's going to continue to work on so it's just another thing that that fans should keep an eye on throughout this entire season because you expect again to him to be in 40 to 45 games around this season it's it's a massive improvement on his part so good for carter to put that on his back bingo and it's well said and, and jonesy's right because 
what happens is that a, a goaltender's most important part is their stick. It's not their glove. It's not their pads. It's not their helmet. It's nothing else. It's their stick. It's the biggest piece of equipment, and you, you train to use it. Now, I always say rule number one when you're a goalie. There's always a rule number one when you're a goalie. Mm-hmm. You don't bite at the move. You you had the whole idea is that you want to make the shooter make the move first. Now, if you watch, go back to that Zucker breakaway. And again, we'll break this down later this week on, on Twitter and Instagram. When he came in, you could. You, I watched it in slow motion. You could watch Carter Hart when Zucker started to make that move. He didn't flinch when he started to pull it to the backhand. He waited till he knew he was going to the backhand, and he just did a hard push left hand side. His pads, I would say, had about a three or four inch gap at the top, but he had that paddle down, and that's where Zucker was labeled. He was betting that was going to be there. But because he worked on that, because of getting in that tighter stance, because of being lower, it doesn't allow your lower body to drop before your stick does, which was a problem he had in the past. Because he's so tight and compact now, and he's lower in his stance and his attack angle is better, he's able to keep that stick down as he's dropping. So positionally, it's absolutely the perfect technique. And at the end of the day, a goaltender's technique needs to be perfect night in and night out. And with it combined with his lateral ability, it, it's clear that he, he's he's going to be at a next level sooner rather than later. Yep. And another guy, and I think uh, who I th- definitely su- didn't surprise us, but the fact that he got his first hat trick of the year already in his career, actually, uh, in Travis Konechny, I mean, just another kid that we – have had high hopes on. He had a big contract extension last season going into that season. You had your fair criticisms on it, and you can listen back to the few past episodes on that. In the, I think it's in our first ever episode that you criticized it, uh, episode yeah. one. Yeah, so, deal. like, yeah. the fact that he is also stepping up, again, it goes back to those six main guys that we talked about, that you talked about last episode, that are going to be the young core going into the future, and Travis Connecting is one of them. The fact that he stepped up his game, got a power play goal and two regular even strength game goals to get him his first career hat trick. I mean, I didn't expect this yet from Travis, but he's developing into his zone just like Carter is. And it's all the more better of what this team can be going into big games uh, like Pittsburgh in March when they play them again in Boston early next week after the Buffalo series. Like, this is exactly what we needed from Travis Connecting. We already got it two games into the season. Yeah, it's fantastic. Again, we the young guys really stepping up and doing it, and doing it playing well. TK, look, they have a lot of high hopes for him. He led the team in scoring last year. It, look, here's the great thing about Travis Connecting. He went from having no goals in one game to now leading the team with three over Joel Farabee, yeah. who had a fantastic game one. And the only other player... I believe in the NHL, the season to already have a hat trick is Connor McDavid. So now look, we're just not trying to make comparisons. We're not saying that he's nearly to the level of that, but I'll tell you what, it's good company to be in. You're in the company of Connor McDavid already, you know, and you have the same amount of goals for the most part. That's pretty solid. And you know, what was great about connect me it that he didn't need to do anything flashy to get those three goals. He just went to the net. That's, and, and that's what he worked on. They yeah. even AV talked about it. He wants Travis Konechny parked in front of the net, similar a la Wayne Simmons, a la uh, Danny Briere type of of bully hockey. Like that's what you talk about bully ball and basketball. Travis Konechny is going to play bully hockey. That's yeah, what his. That's exactly what he needs to be doing. We saw that. Well, 
Hey, go back to what Ron Hextall called him years ago, a couple years back, a little yeah. pissant. Now yep. that's a guy. No, like, Travis Kennedy doesn't have a whole lot of size to him, a whole lot of mass to him. So he's not he's not going to be like a power forward where like a maybe a guy like a JVR where you set up shop or a Wayne Simmons where you set up shop in front of that and you're going for, for tips. He's the guy who's going to be in there digging for those garbage goals. And again, it doesn't matter the type of goals you score. If it crosses that line, it still counts the same way. Whether you snipe yep. the top corner or shovel it in and right in front of the crease. The, the so. The- he causes havoc down there and he causes havoc and he, and he gets in there and he fights for every puck. And if you can get another five, 10 goals out of him, just from doing that, rather than, you know, shots on the perimeter, <laughs> you got it made. The Ivan Provorov snipe was just as equal to the dirty, trashy goals that Travis Konechny potted in an early game. That's all they, that it comes down to. They both count the same. hundred yeah. percent right. Cause as nice as Travis, or excuse me, as nice as Ivan Provorov's goal was who had a, a beautiful assist an absolute beautiful assist to set up that pass by one Jake Voracek. Yeah, like, can, can, this, we, can we talk about Jake for a second? Yeah, absolutely. Jake? Jake Voracek is one of those guys who I think needs tough coaching. We talked about uh, how yeah. the, the, the coach's job is to motivate their players, get okay. them to the next level they want them to be. And we've talked about it time and time again that Trav, or excuse me, uh, Jake Voracek is a guy that needs that extra motivation, whether he wants to accept it or not. He responds to it. And AV has found the formula to get Jacob Borjek to that next level. And we saw that early on last night. And I'm putting this in the video camera. Yeah, that's I got my, my, <laughs> my little <laughs> running around in here. Uh, I didn't close the baby gate. So that's what winds up happening. Uh, well, you're you're a father of two, so what hey, happens when children? I, I don't mind at all. He, he wants he wants to join in. Let him, let him do it. He's a little <laughs> wrecking ball to begin with. Anyway, he's a little. You know what? You know what? My son is my younger son. He he he's he's a Travis Connect. He's a little pissant. It's what there you he go. is. Yeah, he's a wrecking ball. Love him to death. He's the best thing. Right, right, buddy. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> um, Jake, though, whatever. You're absolutely right. And look, it goes back. You're absolutely. He needs absolutely tough, tough coaching, and he needs tough love. Now, he was a minus two in game one, and they yep. were talking about before the season started. He needed to earn his ice time. He had 14 minutes and 19 seconds uh, in in the first game, and last night he finished with 16, 16. But the difference was he had two points last night. Yeah, to right? assess. And, yeah, yeah, to assess, and that, and that you need that from Jake. Now, uh, did he granted, have a plus minus? What was his plus minus? He was plus. He was plus one. He okay. was plus one, and he was minus two in game one. So that, I mean, that, look, that's, that's more than part, exceptional. That's yeah, more that, than exceptional for that's for, par for the course for Jake. And I know yep. last last and you know last pod I talked about how you know he he it might be one of those guys who might be out of the season. It's very possible because of the money standpoint. Look, look, Jake Jake's always been the whipping boy in this city. And yeah, I think last night after talking to Mike Sileski, he, he had enough of it. I don't blame him, but I think also to be fair. There's a lot of expectation when you're making that kind of dough on the cap and people want to see you perform at that level. But Jake, I got to give him credit and you have to. He turned it around last season and when he was challenged by Vigneault. He has responded. So granted, you know, you don't want to look at past this season and just see where he's at now. I don't think over 16 games like you were talking about, you're going to have to replace him with Morgan Frost. I think he'll work his way out. He always has. But you need Jake to have games, a lot more games, like he did last night, rather than in the first game where he's a little softer in the zone. Last night, you could see he played with an edge. He played hard. His passes were on point. Overall, fantastic game for him. So I think it's important that Jake does continue to do what he's doing. And, hey, look, 
if the press is calling you out for doing something, look, I've seen some of the things that Seleski has said. It's not the best thing because it really is. I wouldn't say he's attacking his character. It wouldn't be fair to say that. But I wouldn't say that either. Yeah, yeah I agree. It, there's a little. You could be a little bit nicer and be a little more critical and to the point rather than oh, making it look like he's going to defense his own is like a lazy person or whatever. Like that's not the point. It just it's not a strength of his game. He can do better at it. And you, you yeah, need, you need to talk to him like you need to talk about it and that look, way. And look for context of the the Sealski stuff. Like what happened? If you it's all over Twitter. If you haven't seen it already, just just go on. We'll retweet it on our on our Twitter page and our Facebook page. Just give us a follow at O Backcheck. Like what happened between them is it seems like it it dated back to all the way to October of 2019 when Sealski wrote about how AV was calling out the veteran guys, the Claude Giroux, the Voracek specifically, and there was apparently this moment where you could as as AV was talking about literally in the moment that he was talking about this that Jake Voracek was seen in the corner laughing with another teammate as he was that like but the way it was perpetuated. And this was how maybe some people interpreted it. Maybe this was a, a mistake on Sealski's part. I don't know. I, I'm not the one that's going to judgment, cast ju- judgment on that. But it came off as Sealski wrote that Voracek was laughing at AV when it might have been just completely something separate from what was happening. You yeah. can laugh in the corner yeah. about something that you're joking with your buddy while your coach is making it, uh, calling you out in the media. I, it Does it look good? Of course not. But... The, I, I understand Jake's frustration, but at the same time, you can't be calling a guy a weasel out in the in the media. Like you literally called he, him a weasel. <laughs> yeah, and, on, I, I, and look, I I think that the Flyers brass will have a conversation about of it. Of course, That's, he will. Yeah, I mean, it's a professional thing. I don't have a problem if you need to call out the media for for being. If someone were to not agree with something that we were critical about on this podcast. Uh, and we insulted them, I would, of course, absolutely agree if they were to come back. To call somebody a weasel is, is not professional. And, yep. you know, and, and and not to not to change subject from Mike Seleski, uh, on this pod, we, we were critical for specific reasons. If you're calling a guy for little things and trying to find things that aren't there and just trying to assimilate into something that you shouldn't be there, that you really shouldn't be digging into, so to speak. And I think that sometimes the media is guilty of that because, look, they're trying to do their jobs. They're trying to find something. They're trying to get readers. And readers like controversy. And readers like things that are um, that are that are that are edgy, that are going to get people's attention. Uh, but, again, to respond by calling someone a weasel and insulting someone personally like that, if, if I were Chuck Fletcher and Elaine Vigneault, I would have a conversation like, okay, uh, I understand where you're coming from. Uh, you, you don't do that. If someone were to yeah. rip us like that, I mean, me, if someone would rip me like that, I'd be in my glory. Like, hey, that's awesome. I got a shout out. Uh, but to, for <laughs> a guy, it, that's his job. It's what he does. Yep. He's just trying to do his job, and he's trying to get leaders. I think there is a disconnect there. And sometimes, you know, Jake has taken a pounding over the years, and he probably had enough of it last night. And you know what? Did it was it the best way to approach it? Absolutely not. But was it right for him to approach it? And if he was offended by something, absolutely. Yeah. So it, that and that, that's, that's what it, that's what it comes down to. Yeah, because Voracek is going to have have his ups and downs this season, and he just happens to be starting his season out very, very good, very, very hot. So, but here's the thing that it, I think I'll, I'll have a lot of Flyers fans uh, a little bit worried. What's Sean that? Couturier appears to have busted his shoulder in some capacity. Um, he possibly possibly we 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 don't we don't we don't know for sure but uh we we reached out to pro football doc and we thought it would look because we we, there was a video last night of uh 
Kateri rubbing his shoulder yep. on the bench. And um, it, it looked like from watching like pro football doc, it looked like more of his clavicle rather than his actual shoulder. So, and then um, there's a doctor up in Canada, Dr. Harjash Gura, who let us know on Twitter. Uh, he's actually doing what pro football doc does on, you know, in, in the NFL. Uh, he's doing this for hockey and yeah. he believes that it's possibly a separated shoulder where the best case scenario is day to day. And the typical timeline is 10 to 14 days. He doesn't think it's high grade, but if it is, it could be much as 12 weeks. So, and that's a little bit concerning Very. because you saw the absence of Couturier, how it really affected the Flyers in the second period and later in the first when the Penguins stormed back. They clamped down in the third. You know, I had Kevin Hayes locked 21 minutes, which is absurd, but he had to basically fill two two center roles. Yeah, because um, you're down to 11 forwards. You, you, yeah. Someone has to step up, and that's and yeah. Kevin Hayes is that guy. He Kevin Hayes, for as much as – like that is not his typical logged minutes – that is the guy you want to log those minutes right. because Kevin Hayes is the 200-foot forward similar to Sean Couturier, not at the skill level. Sean Couturier is easily the best guy on this team, uh, in my opinion, but Kevin Hayes is that next-man-up mentality that can Correct. fill that slot. And then you have Lawton as well behind him. Lawton can also play that two-way game as well. Lawton's offensive skill isn't as much as Couturier was, his potential-wise. He did a lot in juniors, but defensively, they're very similar. So um, that's important. But again, because of Couturier's offensive ability, losing that would be a little bit of a harder thing because you saw when Couturier left the game last night, Flyers were quiet on the scoreboard. They scored one more goal on Casey Smith, and they didn't really test him after that. So... It is important to hopefully it's small. He's getting an MRI today. Hopefully it's not major. Again, we can't confirm it's a separated shoulder. Uh, it's potential uh, from what um, from what Dr. Gruel said on, on Twitter. So that's what we can go off of until the Flyers announce something, until they announce the upper right. body injury day-to-day type deal, or probably not even anything at all because of everything that's going on with COVID. Now, look, like as – as frustrating as it was, I'm sure, for Flyers fans to watch that game last night when you're down to 11 forwards and see how much of an impact Sean Couturier has on this team. Like we said, like you just alluded to, what the, the, the immediate impact compared to what they would have known if they were like on Monday, if he doesn't play on Monday, it's not going to be as drastic of an impact. It's an impact for sure, mm-hmm. but you at least have, will immediately have 12 forwards to fill the slot. slot. Uh, of right. that where you're going to where what you're missing in Sean Couturier. You're not forcing guys like Kevin Hayes to add an extra six minutes, whatever it may be, on their ice time and drag them down because that's also what happens when you lose a forward. Players log more minutes and you get more tired way more quickly. Like that's yep. an obvious statement to say, yep. but it needs to be reiterated. Like I would imagine Morgan Frost is going to be stepping up in some capacity. I don't know what that role is. Probably third, fourth. Like everyone get gets bumped up one or two spots. Basically, like, yeah. That's what's going to happen. So, so you have Hazy as your top line center. You yep. probably bump Patrick to the second line. You'd have third line where you'd have uh, um, uh, uh, Lawton. And yep. then you move in Frost. Because Frost can play center. He's drafted as a center. But they're trying to play him on the wing. But if you need him in a pinch to play center – that where you might be on the fourth line it'll add and it's, more skill, or maybe even pivot between them, him between the third and the fourth of Lawton. Cause that line with Kubel, Raffle and, and, um, and Lawton is pretty solid. So I, I wouldn't want to break that up too easily because defensive coverage, maybe pop in Frost on the third line, but you let him know he's got to be responsible on his own end before he plays offense. Yeah. And, and, and don't, I, this is, unlikely but you never know with av's thinking like claude Giroux is a center too like he's playing the wing nowadays but he can slot in the center in drastic scenarios Correct. is it as drastic what when sean Couturier is out 
Maybe, but I mean, I think you give the young guys like Morgan Frost, maybe, maybe call someone up that's down in the taxi squad, something like that. Like, I'm not really sure. I, I think it all determines on what this MRI result is. Yeah, I think we... it's clearly a, some sort of shoulder injury mm-hmm. of how he uh, was checked into the boards. And what sucks is the most is going. And again, it's just reiterating the point about how the Flyers looked post Sean Couturier after it was two shifts in. He was on the ice for 45 seconds total. Yeah, like yeah. that's it. When you're on at compared to if he was out midway through the second or even midway through the first of 10 minutes of ice time or not played a whole game without him. You paid, you paid, yeah. you paid, you paid 60 minutes without your top center and yeah. unexpectedly. So that's, that's crazy to me how and, and they were able to fend it off still score three goals after that. And well, that just goes to t- how, and that just goes to how well they uh, have the mindset of next man up. Yes, it, it suffered on the defensive end, and you clearly saw that. Right. Um, the offense is so deep, though, from top to bottom. Nolan Patrick, as a third line center, is one of the is makes him a a one of the best third line centers potentially in the NHL. Like this kid is coming back, obviously for the migraines. He's already looks good. He has a goal to his name already. He got credited with the, with the goal on the first night. Nolan Patrick looks very good. Oscar Lindblom had a goal last night, uh, empty netter, albeit, but still a goal is a goal. We talked about the dirty trash goals by Travis Konechny, the snipes by Provorov and the empty netters. They all count the same. They all count one apiece. Like yep. this, this team is as deep as I can recall. Uh, honestly, in my opinion, on the offensive end. Defensive end is where the question marks come in. We've talked about how the Justin Braun, Ivan Provorov, and we actually didn't really, towards that latter end, you actually saw someone pointed out, I have to look into it, can't remember who it is. Someone pointed out that you saw AV make the switch. You saw a little bit of Philip Myers and Ivan Provorov towards the back end of the game last night. Is that an indication of what's going to happen? Maybe, but it, it could be. Yeah, and I think at some point because you saw Sanheim and Gustafson together too, but they, they, yep. they talked about earlier they're susceptible to the stretch pass. But again, because they were getting burned so bad with that Gustafson and Haig pairing, stretch after stretch after stretch, and just the Flyers were getting dominated at that point, you had to make some sort of change. So, hey, it, it comes down to this. You, you got to trust AV and knowing when things aren't working. And sometimes it's visible like that, and especially when you're short down a guy, you got to pair it up to, to change things up just to make sure you get through a game like that. But – now, hopefully they don't have that problem against Buffalo is coming up next because they're yeah, not off to a best start, but they're, I think they're going to start getting desperate sooner rather than later. Yeah. So uh, quick over before let's preview the, the Buffalo series before we wrap it up. They, so they do, a, it's their first back-to-back true back-to-back of the season. They play Monday night, seven 30 Tuesday night uh, at seven o'clock, both at home. They, they don't have an away game yet until later in the week against Boston. Uh, Buffalo's Owen two. They've played both goalies uh, this season so far. Uh, I, I mean, that's the biggest thing. The, the fact that Hutton got absolutely blown apart in the first game against the, the Capitals, and then they went to Olmark, I believe it was. Yeah, Linus uh, Olmark, yeah. Uh, in the second game, and he looked okay. I mean, they only lost 2-1. to one. So I, I got to imagine we're going to see Olmark, right? Probably. Look, I, 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 I go back to this is that, Overall, Buffalo didn't look that good. They don't, mm-hmm. they don't, they, I know they added Taylor Hall, and Taylor Hall adds a little dynamic to them and a little speed. And he scored in the first game. The first game, when I noticed, is that, you know, it, it's first game thing. So guys aren't fully up to speed. And from what I noticed, Carter Hart, I mean, not Carter, Carter Hutton, and I get those two mixed up at some point. Carter Hutton, <laughs> um, he's a guy who, who was a backup goaltender for a long time. He played in Nashville, he played in St. Louis. Um, and he, 
he was one of those guys that the Flyers kind of used to go go to the bargain bin for kind of goaltending. He's I don't what they know what they saw out of him to be a starter. I don't think he's a starter in this league. I think he could be a tandem like a, a Brian Elliott, but with less skill. Um, he's not he's not a starter in, in the league. He just doesn't have that skill set. He gave up a couple soft goals in the first game, and overall, while Buffalo did put up four goals, their offense is kind of stagnant. So. Uh, they they generate a lot of shots from the point and try to get redirects and plays down low off of rebounds and stuff. They don't really have a good attack. So, like, down low, they don't generate a lot of scoring chances. Last night when they played Washington uh, – Washington, they while they played, they played pretty responsible defensively. Uh, the goaltending was really good. Um, uh, there was a uh, Linus Olmark and then um, uh, Varichek or something, I believe, Ivanacek from uh, from Washington. I, I don't, I can't remember his first name. I don't believe he's played before uh, in the NHL. Um, they they the goaltending looked really solid last night for both teams. Offensively, though, Buffalo didn't really generate any kind of threatening scoring chances. They had one that just kind of found its way to the net, and that's how they scored. But again, it was generated from the point. I don't think it's anything that Washington was doing defensively. I think it's more or less that Buffalo just doesn't have enough punch. And I don't yeah. know. And, and, and that might play in the Flyers' favor. Um, but also, they have, they can, they're a type of team where they can also transition the other way. When you have Taylor Hall on your team, you have Jack Eichel, they have guys with some speed. You have, you have Jeff Skinner, they do have scoring, but I don't think they have enough punch. They, when you're generating most of your offense from your blue line and trying to get it down low and trying to get garbage goals all the time, you don't generate consistent forechecking. That's not a recipe for success. And that's where Buffalo's at right now. But it's still, again, it's two games in. It could be just Washington. You know, they just need a reset. They once they travel here, they're going to be a little bit more desperate, might be a little more wide open at first, you know, but at the end of the day, I think you'll probably wind up seeing it. And on Monday, you'll wind up seeing Brian Elliott against Linus Allmark. And then since the back to back, you'll probably see the two Carters go at each other. I don't think yeah. the way Walmart played the last night, I don't I think they're going to ride him until he doesn't play well. Yeah. And, and don't forget, like there was a little bit of controversy I want to say it was pre-bubble and it kind of mixed into the bubble as well, obviously, because Buffalo was way out of it at that point. Like there, despite the huge contract that Jack Eichel signed just three years ago, well, now four years ago in 2017, he had, there were rumblings that he's unhappy up there in Buffalo and you can't blame him. Exactly. And it felt like Taylor Hall was kind of like a compensation. Like, listen, we're trying to do something for you to get him in into the building and, and, and appease your, your star in Jack Eichel. But you know, when, when you start to hear this kind of stuff, the rumblings that a, a player is unhappy, especially in the NHL, because it's obviously so quiet normally, like players don't usually voice their displeasure. And I'm not saying Jack has, I, I can't say verbatim if he has or hasn't, but, when rumblings start to happen, there's some truth to them, especially the NHL. So Correct. when, when Correct. Jack Eichel is out there and you're already off to an 0 and 2 start, you're you're already unhappy with the franchise that you, that you're that you're playing with. Like this, this could downturn very very fast, very very quickly for the Jack for Jack Eichel and and the Buffalo franchise. And it's not good. So they are going to be playing very desperate coming into Monday night and Tuesday night, depending on how things shake out. Like this could, it's interesting what the future of Jack Eichel could potentially be, even after getting a Taylor Hall as his, uh, as his wingman. Look, Taylor Hall's in a one-year deal. He's betting on himself. He's betting on himself to have a good season. 
Uh, he didn't have a great season after getting traded to Phoenix last year or Arizona. I always say Phoenix. It's kind of going back to the old logo. I always they keep going. Yeah. But yeah. It's, I love it though. I Which absolutely city? love it. Yeah. What do you want to be represent yeah. the entire state or represent the city? Come on, yeah. pick one. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, Ara Phoenix or, uh, you know, Arif Phoenix, Phoenix, Phoenix Zona. So I got to go with that Phoenix Zona. Don't uh, ever get into marketing. That's, what, that's <laughs> no, never at all. <laughs> well, <laughs> You know, he didn't have he didn't play well when he got traded there last season. He had good talent around him too. Like Phil Kessel's on your team, and you hey, Phil Kessel, although albeit what he is, he can still play, he can still score. Um, Oliver Ekman Larson is one of the top defensemen in the league. Clayton Keller, who's a current old player, there, there's a lot of guys there that they, they could they could have done some damage there. And Taylor Hall didn't do much, so he betted himself this year and go play with a top town like Jack Eichel. But I think that franchise is just kind of. They're kind of broken. You got to feel bad for Buffalo. The Bills are kind of holding them up, but they haven't been the same since Ryan Miller left. I'm mean, just saying that because that whole core of like when they had like Danny Briere there, Chris Drury, when they made those runs in the playoffs, you know, about a decade, a little over a decade ago, they haven't been the same since then. They haven't really restocked the cupboard. Um, so they're, 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 they have talent there, but they've just never been able to put it together for whatever reason. It, it, you're going to have a guy here where Taylor Hall, he's going to come out and be like, man, I bet on myself. And people realize, well, now you had two bad seasons. Uh, maybe you were on the backside of your career after your MVP. Are you, you can't look at a guy from three or four years ago and say he was an MVP three or four seasons ago. It's the same thing looking at a football team and say, hey, they won the Super Bowl three years ago. They're not the same team. They're not the same players. No, they're they're not. Well, look. You're talking about a three-year difference. It, it, it's kind of the um... – uh, the Sixers and Flyers effect from a couple years ago when they were both owned by the same team. Terry Pagula, the owner of the Buffalo Sabres, also owns the Buffalo Bills. And when you have success in one team and your other team is in no man's land or struggling on the down end, you kind of unintentionally, whether you want to or not, ignore them. So yeah. Terry Pagula is owning two different franchises that are going in two different directions. And it's going to come to a point where he's going to have to make a decision. Does he want to be an NFL owner or does he want to be a hockey owner? Like he can't be both. And I and and it's just Stand one of those cranky. scenarios. Stay What's cranky, that? Staying cranky. Yeah. You know, he, owned, he owned the Avalanche for a while. I don't know if he still does, but I, I know his, uh, he had part ownership in the in the, um, in the the Avalanche, and then mm -hmm. he owned also owned the Rams at the same time. But, he, again, I, I don't know if he still is or not. I don't 100% I don't know that. But uh, I know he did at one point. Even aside, it's just the overall, the franchise hasn't been successful in over a decade. When's yep. the last time they made the playoffs? When they played yep. the Flyers in 2011. They haven't made yep. the playoffs in a decade. I don't believe they have anyway. So they they have they have they've been below average since then. So I, that's a real shame because there's a lot of heritage with that 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 franchise there. So yeah. um, look, you're you'll see a team that comes in and hey, maybe just the first two games maybe it just didn't work out for them. Maybe you'll watch it against the Flyers and they'll be like, oh man, like this team's better than we thought. Like it could be the Flyers could be the ones looking bad here. So who's your what? So let's before we wrap, what's your prediction? How, do, do they split them? Do they win it? Get get swept? Flyers. I think, that is. I think Buffalo's zero two. They're gonna split here. Like, you can't yeah. expect the Flyers to win all four games because then you're going into games against Boston. You gotta at some point they're gonna they're gonna take a step back here just just a bit just for a game. And there's been plenty of years where the Flyers' first loss of the season has been against Buffalo for whatever yeah. reason. We go yep. back in their history. So um, I think the Flyers wind up either – I think they'll split, but I think the bigger one to focus on is Boston because Boston hasn't played yet, so we don't know what they're going to look like. So yep. um, uh, Brad Marchand was talking about being ready for the season opener. They're going to be a different team. Uh, they all have Zdeno Char. They don't have Tory Krug. They're going to be a different-looking team. So I'm curious to see what, what's going to wind up happening with them. Um, but I'll say this for the Sabres, 
if you're talking gambling, now look, if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Of course, I, I'm just giving my personal input here. It depends on who's in goal. If you have Linus Omar in goal, I would take more of an under because you're going to mm. have a lower scoring game. If you have Carter Hutton, you're going to have a higher scoring game because he's just, he, 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 even if he beats the Flyers, if they win a game, you're still, he's going to probably give up three or four. Linus Omar, probably more or less like uh, one to three. So, um, Take a look at your overs and unders. Take that into consideration, and I would I would definitely make sure you know who's in goal before you gamble on this one. Yeah, there's no line set yet on our friends over at DraftKings for the for the, for the Flyers Buffalo series just yet. But tonight or this afternoon, uh, Boston Devils over under five and a half. I think it all depends on oh, who's going to be. Take the under there. Yeah, take the under. I, look, I look. The Devils are going to put up points, but I don't know about the Bruins. I don't. See, I don't know. I, I get that, but I also look at it. Like the first game of the season against Pittsburgh of Flyers that with the Flyers, I just took the over. It was over at six because of how weird this season is. Everyone's starting off early or later than ever the ever before. They have had absolutely no preseason. This is going to be treated like a preseason in terms of trying to get your team right. Like goals are going to come and go. So I would actually take the over in a lot of these early games. That's where I look. But again, do it at your own risk. Use whatever you can. And if, and if our bat, if our promo code still works on DraftKings, use promo code Backcheck. I think you get a free deposit on that. <laughs> promo code Backcheck. Not sure if they still are, but we got to get yeah. them back. That, that's our hope. So get, take the under, take the over, whatever it may be. But always be responsible. One eight hundred Gambler if you have a gambling problem. I look. I'm just saying. From here's why. I, when it comes down to overs and unders, I look at look at goaltending and first game of the season. Mackenzie Blackwood started end of the season strong last season. There's Apparently he's doing really well. Jack Hughes apparently has been upgraded. Um, and I think that with Tuka Rask and Mackenzie Blackwood, I think you'll see two guys vying for position there. So that's why I would take, I, I would consider the under, but I don't, I, I get your point. And I, I don't disagree with you on going on the over as well. Yep. So basically is what we're saying. We're not giving you advice. We're just <laughs> stating our thoughts on what it could be. Giving our hey, opinions. Which one you believe more. Well, and that's a good spot to end it. By the way, I think the Flyers are going to sweep. I think this is going to be the, one of the first times ever that they get to, to that 4-0. I don't know. I don't even know the last time they did have, have started 4-0 in, in a season. But uh, I want to say maybe 03-04. Yeah. We'll have to look into the that. Because I think when you have a team that's scoring 11 goals and playing average hockey and going up against a team that's really struggling to score goals, it bodes well for that team that's scoring goals, no matter who's in net. I, I have a lot of uh, – and just I, I like Brian Elliott. I think he's a, he found his position and role here as a backup to back up and mentor Carter Hart. I think this is – it's and it's at home again. I would say take the Flyers to sweep this thing. I say one of one. You have to look at the Couturier situation. That's true, too. I, think, so. I, I, think, I think that has a bigger impact than people suspect. So if he's out for a game and he can't come play in that one, that's going to be quite a shuffle for them. So yep. it could be a little bit more unimpressive on the scoreboard than you might expect. Yeah. Well, that's going to do it for episode 61 of Orange and Backcheck. We thank you so much for listening. Give us a follow on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Smash that subscribe subscribe button on YouTube. We appreciate it. Posting new content every day. What'd you say? Smash it. Smash that sub- subscribe button, man. Smash that button. Twitter, Facebook, at Orange and Backcheck, at OB check at O backcheck. There we go. I got it right. Uh, Twitter page, Orange and Backcheck. Send us an email if you have a question for us, orangeandbackcheck at gmail.com. We thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you guys in about a week. Smash that button. Team stats. Team stats. Of course, why it's whining. Shut that baby up. I told you I had no control.
Bye. Bye.